This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Lindy Meyer, fertility care practitioner, talks about postpartum depression. What causes it? How can it be treated? What makes women hesitant to ask for help? Well, let's find out. Lindy is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marincer. Um, the topic today that we want to start with um, is going to be on postpartum depression. Before we start on that, uh, I just want to um, introduce Lindy a little bit. She is a wife, um, a mother of seven, uh, which is wonderful. We were just swapping stories. Um, we both have seven children, and so we are both blessed. That's, that's awesome. And Lindy is also the founder and director of Sienna Fertility Care. So Lindy, thank you so very much for being in here. Thank you for blessing us with your time. Absolutely. Oh, I let me get Lindy's uh, microphone up there. There. <laughs> Thanks for now you're me good. Yes. All right. Now we can hear you. Great. All right. So um, you know, before we jump into postpartum depression and, and kind of figure out what that is, you're a director of Sienna Fertility Care. What is fertility care? Okay. <laughs> you know, that's a yeah. good place for us to start. That is a great place. Fertility care is a kind of a shortened part of a bigger system called the Creighton Model Fertility Care System. And it's a method of natural family planning. Uh, so used to help couples both achieve and avoid pregnancy, you know, for their family planning purposes. But it's also a system of women's health care. Um, so that's why we use the term fertility care. It's helping women take care of their fertility and appreciate it as a gift and so it can be used for single women, married women, um, for family planning purposes, but also for their reproductive health. Fantastic. You know, one of the things that uh, when we're talking about fertility care, when we're talking about NFP, and this may be break into some other things that you're going to talk about anyway, though, is people have a misunderstanding about it. And there's there's lots of old, outdated data that isn't correct, even if you go to like CDC website and stuff like that. But give me your maybe, um, what have you seen? Because I'll give you what I've seen and then maybe you can dovetail off of that. I've been teaching this for years. I used to teach seniors, so I got to teach them morality. And we did a lot on um, fertility care and things like that. And you know, you, you try to teach um, uh, seniors in high school morality. <laughs> it's tough enough as it is. Sure. But then you try to teach them about ethics and morality in that realm. And then they're kind of like, yeah, I've made up my mind. You know, and, um, the crazy thing is, here's what we've seen. After years of teaching kids like the, the harmful effects of birth control and stuff like that, we're actually starting to see our secular society like catch up with the church because there are people out there now n not even involved with the church like we need to have natural for you know and yeah. what could you speak to that also what have you seen what do you notice I definitely think we're seeing more people come to a variety of the natural family planning methods whether it's fertility care or another method not simply because it's morally correct or yep. church teaching, but because they are seeking a healthier way mm -hmm. or, you know, a go green type society where they just do not want to have, um, you know, they don't want any part of the chemicals and things that they're putting into their body. So they may not be coming to it, you know, to be in right relationship with God or, or follow any ethical or moral principle. 
but just that natural aspect. And so, you know, that's good too. Either motivation is good. And a lot of times what happens is someone comes in for that more natural approach and then God unveils the truth to them, you know, for the rest of it through that way so that they get their foot in the door and you're able to show them then the beauty and goodness of who they are and their relationships and, you know, the purpose of marriage and intimacy um, kind of unfolds through the rest of that. Fantastic. So you get to work with young couples who are um, trying to then hopefully trying to do the right thing within Mm -hmm. their marriage and stuff like that. And then when it comes to the issue of um, postpartum depression, we're now talking about um, somebody who um, has a child. And then what happens? What what is this issue? What causes this? You know, what how can you enlighten us into knowing this uh, better? Sure. So postpartum refers to that time period after a woman gives birth. Um, And the Mayo Clinic actually defines postpartum depression as a complication of childbirth, which. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Is that actually helpful? Is that a very good definition? Um, On the surface, not really, but actually it it kind of is accurate in its own way. Postpartum depression is something that happens to most women to some degree after childbirth. Mm-hmm. If you think about what a woman goes through when she's giving birth and bringing a new human being into this world, it's a serious event, yeah. a very physical event for her body, but also an emotional and mental event, not just for her, but for the whole family, the whole household. The relationships are going to change now that there's a new person entered into this house, whether it's the first new person or the seventh new person. You know, it's going to bring about some changes, but physically her body has gone through, you know, some physical changes, but there are a lot of chemical and hormonal changes that happen when a woman gives birth. So her thyroid changes, she has an increased level of adrenaline and cortisol that happens. And so kind of her body is ramped up in many ways. Also, though, women have four hormones that are related to their reproductive health and their their cycles and their fertility. And so that's something that we really learn about in fertility care when we work with couples. And that set of hormones coming and going is very complex. During pregnancy, a woman's progesterone, which is one of those hormones, is just increasing throughout all of her pregnancy and reaches a very high level. And then after the baby is born, that progesterone level drops and it's very low. Progesterone is a calming hormone and it kind of stabilizes our mood. It helps us feel good, helps us feel secure. So if you put together the adrenaline and cortisol that's making you kind of ramped up and then the loss of that calming progesterone, plus all of the physical and emotional changes happening in the home, because you've welcomed in a new baby. New moms are often sleep deprived, Mm -hmm. Um, even nutrition, they kind of struggle because it's hard to fix a meal when you're caring for a newborn. Um, You know, so all of those complexities, when you put it together, it's kind of a perfect storm for a little bit of emotional and mental trouble. And so it's very common for women to experience some form of postpartum depression. Oftentimes we're gonna hear it called the baby blues. So it's just that kind of down um, feeling, things not being quite right after you have a baby. I can think back to after my first child was born, I wear contact lenses. And Mm -hmm. back then, 26 years ago, contacts were 
something, they were very expensive, they weren't daily, you had to wear the same pair of contacts for like a year, you know? Yeah. They were a big investment. And one of my contacts tore a couple days after uh, my son was born. And I remember just bursting into tears, you know? And just, I'm on the phone with my mom and it was just this most horrible thing, you know? And she was like, stop. It's going to be okay, you know? But that just that flux of everything that's happening can make little things seem very big. So it's it's gotcha. normal to have that. So it actually, we know that about 80% of women that give birth are going to have some form of postpartum depression or those postpartum blues. So it's not always um, significant. It can be minor, um, but they're going to have some kind of change. And it's up to 20% of women, though, that will have a significant set of symptoms that really impact their life, their ability to care for themselves, their child. And actually, the CDC says that one in eight women who give birth will have postpartum depression. And so it's it's pretty common, and it's something that's been around a long time. The first documented case of postpartum depression actually was by Hippocrates. Hippocrates, thank you. I'm like stumbling over his name. Um, In 400 BC. Oh wow! So it's been around, you know, essentially forever. And sadly, we don't really have a very good understanding of it, or maybe the best approach in medicine. But we're getting there. And so, yeah, it's it's pretty common. It is truly a complication of birth, as the Mayo Clinic says, and it's it's there, and there's a lot that we can do to help women with it. Okay, so on the um, if I'm understanding you correctly here, on the lighter side, I mean, I don't I don't want to make light of it, but on the lighter side of postpartum depression is guys don't say anything stupid. This is a bad time for you to say something stupid. Sure. Yeah, I'm I'm famous for putting my foot in my mm-hmm. mouth. But on the on the more serious side, it's not just don't say anything stupid because, you know, your wife is at a heightened state of emotional stress. It's actually a something where it affects their ability to be the mom they need to be. Is that Mm -hmm. correct then? Absolutely. It's a myriad of things. There's various levels, various symptoms, and it's unique for each woman. And so for some women, it could just be that minor breakdown over a contact lens tearing. Mm -hmm. And for others, it can be a severe psychosis where they need hospitalized. Okay. Um, Yeah. And so I think it's important for families to you know, walk through that together, husbands to be supportive and patient, um, but also be that kind of objective view for their wife and realize like, okay, this is my wife struggling a little bit, or this is my wife really struggling and she needs some help. I, I think, you know, I think it was, so um, us as guys will never know this. I mean, that that's part of the problem is that uh, people who don't have an ailment don't know what it's like to have that ailment. You know, it's, it, it's kind of like, you know, people who have other psychological diseases, you know, sometimes people are like just snap out of it or just stop doing that. You know, like depression and other things, um, just depression on its own without mm-hmm. being postpartum. They, they don't get that it's not something you just snap out of. Right. It's, it's not something that you can just choose a better mood. Yes, you can have some effect, but, you know, there's really something happening in your body chemically that is making it so you can't just flip the switch. Right. Absolutely. Okay. And I think that's kind of why mental health in general and then also in postpartum depression has a stigma to it, you mm-hmm. know, and people feel like it's something that you're failing to do or you've done wrong and that you can't get better and can't snap out of it. But there's an underlying biological situation happening. There's a medical 
need there and um but but most women have a lot of shame postpartum you've welcomed a new baby it's supposed to be this joyful wonderful time and you know when you're not feeling that joy mm-hmm. all the time there's a lot of shame that goes with that and guilt and there really shouldn't be yeah. but it's kind of what it tends to happen okay yeah i get you that needs to be one of those times where we um, are even more supportive um, and are trying to trying to help out just simply say what what can i do mm-hmm. you know and well i think um, again being patient and supportive um, not you know, just being aware of the things that you say and how it might be received, not so much how you intend it, but how mm-hmm. it could be received is important to just be prudent about that and offering support. But sometimes when we offer support, we have our idea of what's helpful and that may not at all be what's mm-hmm. needed. And so, you know, asking the mom or the couple, you know, what can I do to help? And not because, gosh, it looks like you're struggling. Um, you know, I see these, you know, red flags and it looks like you're having a really hard time. But just I truly just want to help. Life is beautiful and I want to support the gift of life that you've welcomed into this world. How can I help? And truly listen to what they say is helpful instead of inserting your own idea into that. So whether it's an outsider, a family member, or the husband, um, I think that's important is to listen to those needs and then maybe just kind of observe for them as well, maybe what's underlying that request for help a little bit. It's really hard for women, most of us, to accept help, you know, because we just we want to do it ourselves. We want to take care of our family. We feel like that's our role. And so sometimes it can be very challenging to ask for help. And so I would say for the woman that's experiencing postpartum depression to let that go and ask for help, accept the help that's offered. And it's important, um, you know, none of us want to be needy or be perceived as needy, but we sometimes lose sight of the act of service in letting someone help us. You never know what allowing that person to come bring a meal to your family or help with laundry or whatever it might be. You never know how that might be helping them in their life. Um, And that important gift of being able to serve someone, how that enriches your life and provides blessings to the giver, not just the receiver. And so, uh, you know, just kind of with a humble and open heart being, you know, willing to accept that help. Yeah, fantastic. as you were speaking, reminded of the uh, five love languages. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the same type of thing is uh, you never learn those things so that you can call your spouse out on, you don't speak my love language, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and I know this because a lot of the things I share, I failed at, <laughs> you know, and so you, I'm one of those people that should learn wisdom from other people teaching it rather than experiencing it. But yeah, you know, that's, that's the point. Um, and kind of like you were saying is um, to, ask them what they truly need. Because if I'm a gifts person, which I'm not, but if I'm a gifts person, then I may think, well, if I lavish them with gifts, they're going to love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so very much, please ask them, what is it that I can do to help you? What do you need in this moment? Um, And I think that goes for just basic humanity, (laughs) if we would learn to do that rather than just going. um, And and it's funny that you say as a woman, um, you don't want to accept help. As a guy, we don't want to accept help. We are (laughs) fixers. Guys like to go, just leave me alone. I don't want a fresh pair of eyes. When we do, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, usually we need it. But um, so that's the same thing as, yeah, we all have to be those people that are humble enough to go, Okay, I I need to take a step back. So for all of us guys, ask. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then maybe for all of you ladies, uh, be willing to accept that help um, when there's somebody there to help. And mm -hmm. so uh, thank you. Very, very good um, words of wisdom there for us. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. We'll be right back with more about postpartum depression with Lindy Meyer. One body. on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Postpartum depression. One body. Stewarding God's creation. With Lindy Meyer. One body. One body. Cody Marincer conducts the One interview. Body. Stewarding God's creation. So Lindy I spoke earlier about contraception, um, some of the effects I know, which are really terrible for a woman's body and stuff like that. Um, does that play any role in postpartum depression that we know of? Does it um, make things better, worse, or anything? Do you, do you have any knowledge on that field that maybe you could help us to understand? It's a really great question. There's not a ton of research out there, but there is some research that indicates it could potentially increase the risk for postpartum depression mm -hmm. or magnify the symptoms. And so I would say, you know, that I would avoid it, obviously, for many reasons, but because of that, I would also avoid that postpartum or any time in life. But actually, any form of hormonal contraception has a side effect, a possible side effect of depression outside of postpartum any time in life. And so, you know, then reason would say if it's a risk any time in life, if you add that risk into the already complicated time mm -hmm. of postpartum where there's an, a risk there already, you know, putting two of those risks together are certainly going to increase the risk for that. Yeah. And I think if we just think about it logically, with those, you're flooding your body with a bunch of chemical hormones that your body's not used to having, and then letting them drop off and flooding and drop and flooding, you know, and so your body is going through this crazy cycle. And so, yeah, I could understand why, yeah, well, no wonder if, if that's naturally occurring anyway, now you're adding to it just this craziness that you're putting your body through. And so Absolutely. that's gonna exacerbate the problem there. Okay. Yeah. How do we kind of know, we talked a little bit about the difference between the smaller side of it and then the more serious side of it. Where do we kind of draw that line and say, okay, we've now entered the stage where somebody needs maybe some professional help or, or something like that. This is not just a let's sit down and can I clean the bathrooms for you? Right, right. Well, I think um, kind of before we talk about when to get help is just to go over some of the symptoms because okay. the term itself, postpartum depression, most people think, well, that means then I'm depressed and that means I have postpartum depression. But there are actually a whole host of symptoms that aren't depression that are a part of postpartum depression. So obviously the depression um, is one of the symptoms, but also anxiety and just a lot of worry about things in general, anxiousness about being in public or around people and, and just things that you wouldn't normally be anxious about um, is a symptom. 
Some women will have a very edgy or wired feeling, just, you know, feel like they're very wound up and can't quite settle down. Some women, it's more appetite issues. Maybe they're just not hungry at all, um, have no desire to eat, or other women will have a lot of nausea. Some women have um, just a racing heart. Again, that increased level of the adrenaline and cortisol can result in some of those things. Um, for some women, it's panic and obsessive worrying. Um, it can be very common for women to just, you know, be afraid to take their baby out in public because their baby could, you know, get sick. There's all those germs out there. What if an accident happens and just their mind just kind of takes off on just, you know, irrational fear and worrying? strange intrusive thoughts that don't fit that don't make sense or thoughts of helplessness and hopelessness but also some women and this is a really hard one for moms is thoughts of harming their baby uh-huh. or even themselves and that's very hard to admit it's very scary and so you know a lot of times they won't share that also um, postpartum women that struggle with this can have waves of anger and rage And so those are just, you know, a variety of symptoms that a woman could have one of those symptoms, and that's Mm -hmm. postpartum depression, or she could have a combination. But also there are different levels of having each of those symptoms, where it can be a passing thought that comes once or twice a day, or it's something you're struggling with all day long. Um, So when to get help? Well... Again, that kind of normal postpartum blues where it's just those mild feelings of being off and things not quite right, that should pass within a couple weeks after childbirth. Um, So if you've got something that's lasting longer than that, you should probably check in with your physician. Most people also think that postpartum depression hits immediately after the child's born, but it can sometimes not show up for three or four months. And so if you've been fine and then all of a sudden these things are you know, becoming a factor, then you need to talk with your physician. Anytime your symptoms are impacting your daily life, your quality of life, the ability to care for your baby or even interact with the rest of your family, you definitely need to talk to your doctor. But then I would also say, regardless of where it falls in any of those spectrums, if it concerns you, if it doesn't seem to fit you, talk to your doctor. And your doctor can help you decide, is this a normal thing that might pass or is this something that we need to look into and might need some attention? Okay. Is there So is there are most doctors knowledgeable in this realm or is there somebody maybe more that you should seek out? Because I have actually found... My wife and I have um, practiced NFP since uh, the first day of our marriage. And and, um, I imagine um, you as a um, practitioner (laughs) um, also practice it um, in your marriage. But, uh, you know, one thing that I found out is it's not that there aren't good doctors out there. I was amazed, though, when we went to a fertility care specialist, the absolute disconnect of doctors, even OBGYNs, from just the secular world. Uh, and so, like I said, they, they were good doctors. Um, they treated my wife well. They treated us well, um, many of them. But yet it was crazy to see when our fertility doctor was actually like, no, actually, um, this is what your wife's body is doing. And the doctors that would normally treat us were like, yeah, we don't, we don't put, that's kind of who, you know, we don't put stock in progesterone and stuff like that. We don't measure. And so I was just like, holy cow. Yeah. So that makes me wonder in this same issue, are they really trained 
to know and understand that and treat it? Or should women look to somebody else and where would that be? Do you, mm-hmm. can, do you have an answer to that? Or I do. Um, I mean, I might seem a little biased, but I would definitely recommend any woman that's struggling with this talk to a fertility care physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call them medical consultants. Um, they offer what we call NAPRO technology, which is natural procreative technology. Sadly, in most medical schools, and I, d- I don't want to say that, you know, this applies to every doctor, yeah. but in most medical schools, their training in OBGYN and women's health care is very contraceptive focused. Oh, yeah. Seems counterintuitive for uh-huh. an OBGYN to have that focus, but it's the reality of our society today. And so very birth control driven yep. that, that, you know, if a woman has an issue, the birth control pill is the answer. Yep. And it's it's not. And so they just aren't trained not that they're not a good physician not that they're well-intentioned but they really aren't and and even you know this has been around a long time and it's just not a condition that there's been a lot of um, study on the mainstream approach is to treat postpartum depression like we would any other mental health issue with an antidepressant Uh Um, and I'm not saying that that's not sometimes the need, but most of the times it's not a brain chemical imbalance. It's a reproductive hormone chemical imbalance. And she's usually, you know, just needing that restoration. And so it's it's a kind of understanding the underlying root cause Uh and the best channel to treat it. The difference that a fertility care physician is going to do is, is one, they have spent an extensive amount of time studying the reproductive health from a truly understanding what is going on with the body, how is this working, and how can we not control things for women, but help their body do what it was intended to do on their own, a supportive approach. And so, you know, they're really looking at that root cause. The medications, instead of using an antidepressant, we're going to restore those reproductive hormones, and postpartum depression is very effectively treated with progesterone. Mm-hmm. That's, like I said, it's it's natural for the body to stop making progesterone after pregnancy, but some women, they need a little bit more of it and they need that dose um, to help them kind of cope with all the other changes. And so we have found that in particular, an, an injection of progesterone mm-hmm. can make a difference for women within minutes. Oh, wow. And some women, usually by the end of 24 hours, they're saying things like, wow, you know, like, I'm I'm me again. This mm-hmm. has made a dramatic difference. Another important thing that I want to make sure I don't forget to mention is that we think of postpartum depression being something that we only experience after we give birth to a child, you know, a living baby. Mm-hmm. But postpartum depression can happen after a woman experiences a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, has a stillbirth, and even post-abortive women can experience that because it's all a part of pregnancy and then, you know, kind of that complication of the pregnancy ending at whatever stage or means that it ended. And so, you know, women don't, they think, well, I didn't have a baby, you know, so that can't be what's wrong with me, but it most definitely can. And so it's important to know that as well. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to name drop here. Um, for a good reason. Um, but, uh, you know, we were sent to Dr. Amy Hogan. Um, and she's been a blessing. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go through everything that we went through as a couple, but I'll, all I can say is if it wasn't for her, I don't know that we would have our last five children. And so, 
such a blessing she's been in because and that's why i kind of wanted to ask that is is because yeah it's not that there aren't good obgyns out there but you're right um i know you know sometimes you hear stories like well so and so told me and so and so but this story actually is from someone very very close to me and uh, they said after after several times of being asked um, what kind of contraception do you want to be on after having children they said doc i don't think you get this that's not what we do mm-hmm. and the doctor said i'm sorry but that is our protocol here at the hospital we have to ask you what you want to be on and i'm not going to say which hospital that was at mm-hmm. um, but just know that yeah that's how uh, as you were saying that's how they're trained i've seen it and heard it firsthand of exactly what you're saying is they're not trained to understand really the inner workings of the hormonal issues but yeah more like if you treat it with a an antidepressant um it's kind of like maybe putting a band-aid on it rather than healing the wound what if you know you're not necessarily experiencing those types of emotions but more of the I don't feel like I'm a good mother because I I don't I'm not bonding with my child. I actually very quickly and then mm-hmm. I'll let you go. Um, is I, I understand this to a degree because as guys we don't have the same bond that a mother can. It's just not possible because we don't get to carry the children. Mm-hmm. But I do get this because I'm, I love my children. Absolutely amazing. Am I the greatest father ever? No. Um, but um, I try. I love them. But even I know that some of them, um, right that very first moment, it was confusing. It was. I, I'm, it's a blessing to have them here. But I didn't have that just immediate emotional like, <gasps> you know. Um, and so I can understand, especially from a mother's point of view, to a heightened degree, what that must be like when they're like, why am I not feeling the heavens open up and the sun pour down mm-hmm. on me? Oh, yeah. Can you can you explain that better and maybe mm-hmm. help us to understand? Yeah, and and that's a component of of this issue that is is scary but also then comes with that great guilt and no one wants to speak about it. You know, first of all, s- some women their birth experience isn't what they imagined or it's very traumatic if there's complications with the birth or with the baby, you know, and the baby's born with some kind of issue and they're immediately taken away to the NICU. That initial moment of bonding is interrupted, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a while for that to return. And even for moms, when you know whether it's been a traumatic birth experience, something wrong with the baby, there are things that can kind of trigger that. A certain sound or a smell or you know phrase can kind of take them back to that traumatic moment that happened surrounding birth. And then that you know our our instinct is to kind of put up some protections against that and that can kind of interfere with bonding with your baby. But also if these hormones are deficient and you know, if you're struggling, it interrupts that bonding process. Um, you know, not all moms are breastfeed their baby, but we, you know, when we breastfeed, there's um, an oxytocin hormone that is released that helps with bonding. And so that kind of creates a natural bond with our baby okay. chemically. But if you're, if you've um, had problems with breastfeeding and it's just not going quite right because it's not something that we just all are born knowing how to do, you know, and some babies learn easier than others. And so all of those things kind of can impact all of that to cause, you know, that interruption with the bonding moment, but also the pressure that we put on one another. I think sometimes in the Catholic world, it's a little bit worse. Like, okay, if you are a good Catholic, you need to, you know, co-sleep and breastfeed and, you know, wear your 
baby and like all of those are beautiful and wonderful things but it's not the you know the the only way to be a good Catholic yeah, parent. Yeah, there's no moral implication that you have to or you're sinning. Exactly. Okay. And yeah. But we can kind of get caught up in that. And I always tell um, my clients when they're going to have a baby or any young mom that comes to me, like, okay, what do I do? And I say, you know, you can read the parenting books. You can listen to your mom, your mother-in-law, your aunt, your grandma, your sister, whatever. Take what you want from it and leave the rest Absolutely. and go be the mom you are called to be. You know, and I think sometimes all of that interrupts with that bonding moment. So I would just say, you know, the first thing is to just kind of take a step back, relax, give yourself a little bit of grace and forgiveness in all of this. Um, we're all adjusting to this new person in the world, right? And so it, it takes time. But if you're really concerned, if you just, you know that there's something not right and, the, and that this bond isn't happening, it's okay. Talk to your doctor about it. Be open and honest with your husband about it because he's probably struggling a little bit, like you said. Yeah. It's different for him as well. And so don't be ashamed to talk to your physician, your healthcare provider, but your family members as well. You don't want to like let all of their advice make you feel like you aren't being a good parent, but also that you can turn to those trusted family members and friends. Maybe they've been through it. I think sometimes... We don't share our struggles enough. It's not that we need to air all our dirty laundry, but out of pride or protection mm -hmm. of ourselves, we don't always share that. And I think we could better serve each other if we were a little more honest about, hey, I wasn't the perfect new mom either. And, you know, that takes the pressure off of other people to feel that same thing. Um, so definitely talking to your physician is important. You know, most women, when they go to a postpartum check, Mm -hmm. Most physicians are going to do a postpartum screening okay. um, and ask about a variety of symptoms. And so you need to be really honest with your doctor, you know, and, and share those things. And then if they recommend an antidepressant and you just feel like that's not what I need, be an advocate for yourself. And that's another thing where husbands go to those appointments and help your wife advocate for herself on you know what, we really don't want to go that route. Is there something else? Is there another physician that maybe specializes in this that we could be referred to? Yep. Um, those are kind of ways when you get that typical response that you can work around it. So I think that's important to do as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's one thing that we also, as I've kind of spoken, we, we found too is um, you have to be an ad advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they're trained to treat things in a certain way. And like we've said before, not for lack of them being a good person or a good doctor or anything like that. Maybe their training hasn't gone far enough in that area. So, yeah, you have to. And I think that is kind of a red flag, too, is um, if you if you ask a doctor um, and they're like, nope, sorry, this is the way I do it. Get a second opinion. Maybe it is the right way. But go find somebody else that um, has some training specifically in that field that can then say, you know what, but there's actually this way, too. And, and I agree. Got to be an advocate for yourself. Yeah. OK, go ahead. Well, you know, many doctors, too, you kind of get into what what is most of your patient population want. Mm -hmm. Right. And so much of the world today, women, the birth control pill is what they're after. And like you yeah. said, the hospital policy, I have to offer this to you. I have to present it. And so they just kind of are in, well, this is what everyone does. But when you come to them as a patient and say, you know what, that's not what I want. They might be very open. They might be relieved to hear oh, someone wants something different, you know, and it can be a great learning opportunity for them to become a better physician, too. 
Absolutely. Uh, Lindy, thank you so much for being here with us today. We've, we've got about uh, 10 minutes left on this topic. So what else do you think we ought to know maybe women can do to help prevent before it happens? Yeah. To some degree, there are some things you can do to prevent, but it's also kind of back to that Mayo Clinic definition, a complication of childbirth and some transitionary time is going to be expected for most every woman. But the basic things of taking good care of yourself before you're pregnant, during your pregnancy, and then after the baby's born, making sure you're getting sleep, making sure you're drinking water, that you have good nutrition. It's really hard for a mom of a newborn to get good sleep, right? Um, like that seems kind of silly to even recommend that. But you know, we need to take advantage of the baby's patterns. So when baby sleeps, mom sleeps. Not do the dishes, not you know do other things, sleep. And you need to do that for a while. And you really need to give yourself a good at least three months to transition into this new stage in your family life. There is someone else that can do the dishes. There is someone else that can do the laundry or, you know, that kind of thing. And so that's, again, that opportunity to allow the community to support you. But doing that, there are some just basic nutrients and vitamins that can be helpful for us. One is fish oil. You mentioned Dr. Amy Hogan. That's like a very common thing that she recommends everyone take, especially here in Kansas. We don't eat enough seafood, she'll uh -huh. say. You know, we don't have fresh uh, seafood. And so they're just very good nutrients for the body within fish oil. So that's a great supplement to take. Vitamin D, we really need that, especially in the winter months. You know, we're not out in the sun as much, and so we're not getting that natural vitamin D. And then magnesium is something that many of us are deficient in, and it's a beautiful vitamin that is great for our circulation, our muscle tone, um, and it also has a very nice calming effect. So one of the best magnesiums that um, can be helpful is something called natural calm magnesium, and it's simply a powder that you can put in any drink that you have, and it just kind of helps to calm the system and restore those nutrients. So those are some basic vitamins that, that any woman could take, even if she's not feeling postpartum depression issues. It's just good for you anyway. I know that there are a lot of people out there that use essential oils. It's not something I'm terribly versed in, mm -hmm. um, but you know, using those oils, if that's your thing, um, using the ones that have a calming effect can be helpful. However, kind of thinking of maybe how would you know you're at risk for postpartum depression? What we have found is the link that if you were deficient in progesterone before pregnancy, it's a little bit more likely that you're going to struggle with postpartum depression after the baby's born. And so if you're charting your cycles, you're using that fertility care system and you know that, you see those biomarkers that indicate that you have low progesterone, then taking progesterone in your pregnancy can help you have that good foundation of progesterone before the postpartum time hits mm -hmm. and can be helpful. And then again, if you're noticing those signs, get help early. Don't wait. Don't expect it to go away and just think, oh, I'll transition. Go ahead and ask for help. And that bioidentical natural progesterone that we use really can make a good impact. And so those would be some of the things that I would recommend. The other kind of an important thing that I notice just because not all of the women that I work with are Catholic, but most of them are, we tend to have this idea that if I'm failing in any of these areas, I'm not praying enough. 
I don't have enough faith, you know, and, and, and we kind of tend to, to say, well, gosh, if, if I could just pray more or if I trusted God, so maybe I'm not surrendering all this enough. And there is some merit to that. But postpartum depression is a biological situation, <laughs> yeah. and we typically can't pray our way out of those. I mean, God could choose to work a miracle through it, but usually what he does is send us a good doctor, yeah. you know. And and so, but we tend to do that and beat ourselves up over it. And I would say that's an important thing to do is, is to avoid that and to get ourselves out of that mindset and ask help. That's funny because I just heard and not like funny, haha, but funny and like, you know, crazy that you just mentioned that I was listening to a priest not too long ago and it was really helpful to me um, because he said, you know, the sins you struggle with, one way you'll know if they're diabolical or if they're caused by your own stupidity, basically, or, you know, mm -hmm. is if you pray and you see some sort of immediate effect, that probably means that there is some sort of temptation coming from um, demonic realm or something like that. If you pray and you don't see anything happen, then that probably means that this is something that is caused by your own behaviors and you need to change your behavior. So that matches right up with uh, what you were saying is, yeah, this is a biological thing, right? It's not a, if it was a diabolical thing, then sure. Um, Hit, hit the uh, prayer gym more um, mm -hmm. and you're going to be okay, you know, but otherwise definitely God sends us those people and he wants to um, work through those doctors. And, you know, just back to the point you were making, this is why I think all women um, who have any sort of issues at all should see a fertility care specialist is because of like that progesterone thing is they will measure your progesterone and they've spent their lives studying this so they know what a woman's body should be producing mm -hmm. and if it's not they know how to get your body to that level but not go over what you should have and so it's 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 a beautiful I don't know. I just see it as awesome. It's so wonderful that there are um, these practitioners out there that um, are doing that. And, you know, people like you that are learning more about it, that, that can help um, in that situation. And, you know, and it's you mentioned, you know, they're going to take your do blood work. They're going to look at your levels and supplement to where you need it. It's not a one size fits all. Yeah treatment it's a very individualized personalized treatment where we look at what is your level where are you falling deficient how much do you need and again it's not in an effort to take over your body and yeah. control it it's to supplement your body back into doing what it's needing to do on its own and just kind of helping you along the way um, and every woman's different some women need that one dose and they're good to go and others need support for a little longer sure Anything else that we didn't cover that you really want to leave our listening audience with? I think just, and I know I've said it a few times, but it's because it's so important, is there is no shame in this, just as there's no shame in any area of mental health. There, It is a condition. It is a true medical situation. And so do not be afraid to ask for help, to speak out. And I think our family members need to you know, gently and prudently kind of look for those signs as well and be willing to then offer, you know, a little help and support as well. Um, and so I think you mentioned like every woman should find a fertility care physician and I couldn't agree more. Um, it is just a different way of looking at things to work cooperatively with a woman's body. And so I would encourage, you know, every listener out there to, to seek that. Specifically in the Salina Diocese, if you go to salinafertilitycare.org, that can put you in touch with any of our fertility care practitioners as well as our medical consultants and doctors in our diocese. If you are out 
outside of that area or you have a loved one outside of the Salina Diocese, you can always go to um, fertilitycare.org and that will put you in touch with practitioners um, that would teach you how to chart your cycles and physicians from across, not just the United States, but all over the world. Fantastic. Lindy, thank you so much for being here. Um, I know I learned a lot. Um, I think everybody out there listening probably learned a lot too. We thank you for opening our eyes to uh, what can be um, a very tough situation for women to go through and, and ways that we can help. All right. Um, thank you for your time here. Thanks for tuning into One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Folks, Heaven is unseen, and so are these airwaves. However, if you want to save those unseen souls for heaven, please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to the network of stations of Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear His voice, harden not your hearts. (laughs) 